Almighty Father God, you are indeed the only I am, the only Lord, and you are strong to save, and you deliver your people. Thank you. Thank you for every circumstance and wise providence that you brought into our lives this week. For you are Lord. Some were hard providence indeed, and some were gracious kindnesses. In all of these, we praise and thank your good and strong name, for you are the Lord. Oh, Father, remind us, I pray this morning, remind us that you're a God who has appeared. You're a God who establishes. You're a God who hears your people when we pray. You're a God who remembers your covenant with us. We are weary. We are downcast. We are overwhelmed often by the burdens and the oppression of the world around us and the sin that's in our very souls. Lord, convict us, I pray. Convince us and cause us to trust in your ability, in your not only your ability, but your willingness to deliver your people and to bring us into a broad place into your presence as your very children. May the harshness and the cruelty of this world not drive us away, I pray, O Lord, and cause us to doubt your promises. But instead, draw us closer, I pray, that we may trust your character and your covenant. Would you turn us, I pray, to Christ this morning, Lord, that we might find our hope, our joy, our glorious end there and only there in Christ, our Savior, our Deliverer, and our Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Notice, if you will, with me, turn back one page, chapter 4. At the end of chapter 4 of Exodus, we've been working through the book of Exodus and Moses has been commissioned and equipped to be God's deliverer. He leaves the burning bush, he goes to Egypt. Him and Aaron tell God's people that the Lord has heard their cries and their groans, their oppression, and it Cause a great celebration among God's people. End of chapter 4, verse 30 and 31. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their afflictions, they bowed their heads and worshipped there in the sands of Egypt. What a glorious time. Chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's response was not as good. It wasn't as much of a rejoicing time, but instead a time of despair. Pharaoh, kind of flexing his muscles, showing his authority and his power, made the decision that the reason Moses and Aaron wanted God's people to go for three days into the wilderness to offer a sacrifice was because they were idle. 
The answer to idleness, obviously, is more work. And so Pharaoh decided to increase their work. He said, you need to work more. And so the way he did that was he removed their straw regiment. In other words, they had straw being given to them as the Jews, but now that straw was, the straw was removed and they were to gather their own straw and their brick-making quota was to remain the same. Notice chapter 5, verse 9. Pharaoh says, Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Those lying words were the words of Moses and Aaron who said, God's people need to go and worship and sacrifice to their God. God's people were brought to a very low stage, a low state. In chapter 5, verse 12, it says, So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt. To do what? To gather stubble for straw. So here's God's people. Well, they were not making the quota, so they were beginning to be beaten. They get a hearing before the Pharaoh. Pharaoh has no regard for them. And so God's people basically come to Moses and, and, uh, and Aaron, and in verse 21, they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his, and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. They are not liking what has been the outcome of Pharaoh and Aaron's deliverance. Pharaoh and Aaron have said, or excuse me, Moses and Aaron have said that they're going to go to Pharaoh and that God's going to deliver them from Pharaoh. And Moses and Aaron have communicated this deliverance to them. They were excited. They go to Pharaoh. Things have now become worse. God's word was interjected into the lives of God's people. And things got worse, not better, for them. Things got harder, not easier. Things became more difficult, not more comfortable. And the thing that Moses and Aaron said they wanted God's people to do, and the thing that Pharaoh keeps telling God's people that they're, to, that they're wanting to do is, is to go and sacrifice, to go and worship their God. And so God's people now are saying, you know what, all we really wanted was deliverance. We just wanted to get out from under the, the oppression and the hand of the Pharaoh. This whole worshiping thing now has gotten to the point where everything's gotten worse, not better. Faithfulness has made things harder for God's people. And so they come to Moses and complain, and gripe, and grumble, say they've now become a, a stench in, the, in Pharaoh and the servants' eyes and, and that they want to kill them. The, the, the Egyptians want to kill God's people. So they're overcome, overwhelmed with despair. Moses responds in chapter 5, verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why, do you, why did you ever send me? Verse 23. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak your name, in other words, he blames it on the word of God, he has done evil to this people. And notice the last phrase of verse 23, because that's, that's really the hinge that takes us into chapter 6, which is where we're going to be this morning. Moses says to the Lord, And you have not delivered your people at all. You've not delivered your people at all, Lord. Sometimes when obedience to God's word brings hardship and struggle, despair, and even sorrow, 
being honest with ourselves, we may say, not outwardly maybe, but even in our own hearts, we may have the same declaration of Moses when he was overwhelmed and pressed. In our pressing circumstances and endless difficult days, many of us have also said in our hearts, Lord, you said you would deliver us. And you haven't delivered us at all. My life is more difficult because I'm trying to be faithful. Not, not more comfortable. And we think it's strange that trials have come. This is Exodus 6, right? This is at the front end of our Bible. Let me, let me quote something from the back side of our Bible many, many years later. Because I want you to see that this doesn't change. 1 Peter chapter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Brothers and sisters, this, this oppression, this difficulty, this sorrow, because of faithfulness, not just because we're humanity, is very much part of what God's called us to as his disciples. We see God bringing his people over and over again in Scripture to the point of despair and desperation. Why? This is why. Because we are tenacious in trying to save ourselves. (laughs) We are so very adamant in trying to make for ourselves our own salvation that we can contribute to. We want to provide for ourselves deliverance. And God, in his mercy and grace, takes his people through difficult times so that they and we in our own hearts say, Lord, I give up. I've tried every single way to bring about deliverance and comfort and ease in my life, and I've messed it all up, and there's no other thing that I can imagine that I can do. And then the Lord brings us to the place that he brought Moses in our passage at the end of chapter 5, where when Moses says, Lord, you have not delivered your people at all. You have not done what you said you will do. And where, where are God's people going? They're going to Pharaoh for deliverance. They're running around looking for straw, right? This, that's, that's their predicament. That's where they're at. Chapter 6, verse 1, is in that context. And it says, But the Lord said to Moses, Now, notice the time emphasis there, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. The Lord brings us to that point, doesn't he? Doesn't the Lord always bring us to that point where there is no other way, and I guess all we have to do is pray. The only thing we can do now is pray. And the Lord here says, Now you shall see what I will do. Notice the emphasis in verse 1. For with a strong hand he will send them out, And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Whose strong hand? It's the Lord's strong hand. 
The Lord says, I'm going to show you how I will do this by my strength and by my way. The Lord wants us to be delivered. The Lord wants to bring us through our life so that when we get to the end of it, we can, we can be convinced as His people that there was not one thing that we contributed to our lives that was a part of our deliverance, part of our reconciliation, part of our salvation. He brings us to the end of ourselves so that we can come to the point that then when he speaks and he says, it'll be by my strong hand that I will send you out. It'll be by my strong hand that I will drive you out of this land and that God will deliver us. That's where God wants to take us. That's where God has brought his people here in Exodus this morning where there will be no doubt. And we know the end of the story, don't we? So it's, it's nice to be able to kind of know what's going to happen here. It's harder when you're in the middle of it. It's harder. It was harder in the middle of our difficulties and struggles, not knowing what the end will be like. But we have the end here, and we know that when they get on the other side of that Red Sea, is there, is there anyone there doubting that the Lord brought them out of Egypt? Nobody, right? There's no doubt, and the Lord does it that way in our lives. Because we so want to take credit for our own deliverance. So this morning, we will see how the Lord plans to deliver his people. He does this by revealing himself to his people. He does this, brothers and sisters, by revealing himself to his people. Notice, if you will, with me in verses 2 through 8... Verse 2 says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Notice verse 6, right in the middle of our passage. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. Look at the end of verse 8, if you will. In the verse 8 ends by saying, I am the Lord. This phrase, I am the Lord, is at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. The point that God is trying to make to these people. Now, Hear this. this. This is amazing. These people need straw. Lord, all I need is straw so that we're no longer beat up anymore and oppressed so that we can continue to do the things that we need to be doing. The Lord's trying to do so much more than just give them straw so that they're no longer being oppressed by the Egyptians. He says, I want to deliver you, and the way I'm going to do it, here's the plan. Here's the, here's the, here's the five-year plan that's written out and, and there, there's no mechanism. There's no big Trojan horse. There's no tanks or, or artillery. There's nothing in our minds that we would think that would be necessary in order for God to save his people. Oh, yeah, by the way, I've got this coming. These people are coming from another nation to help you guys. None of that. You know what the Lord does in his people's lives here and in our lives in the most hard and and difficult and dark days of our lives. He doesn't swoop in and give us a better insurance plan or a check in the mail or all kinds of other things that we assume that we need. Sometimes that does happen. There's blessings. But do you know what the Lord is doing? He says, this is who I am because that's all that really matters. If this morning, through this text, we can become convinced again that our greatest need and our greatest help and our greatest satisfaction and joy is that we know our Lord 
and that it doesn't matter what we may go through in this life to know our Lord better, it is worth it, then this message has succeeded. This text has been displayed. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. My prayer is that we're going to grow to know the Lord more and that we're going to grow to see that it is the Lord, it's all that we need in the midst of, of the hardship and oppression and difficulty and struggle, when we're crying out and saying, relieve me from this struggle and oppression and anxiety and sorrow and despair. And the Lord says, I want you to know who I am. We don't shake our fist at him. We don't say, but Lord, we need straw. We need, we need very practical things. No, you need to know the Lord. So I want us to notice our text this morning as 